Thank you, Connie. We at First Church would like to welcome you, whether you're here in person, listening on the radio, or watching on Facebook. We are blessed that you are part of our service and hope that you feel God's love and presence while you worship with us this morning. For the announcements, please look over the bulletin for items that may be of interest to you. Uh, We welcome and thank Connie O'Neill for leading our praise and song today and those sweet sounds that come from our organ. We welcome Wayne and Valerie Lunsford to First Church today. Wayne and Valerie will share their work with Wycliffe Bible Translators during the service this morning. You can greet them in the Heritage Room after service. They would love for you to come and ask questions about their ministry afterwards. The new Awana program for kids pre-K through 6th grade starts October 5th. You can register online on, uh, at our website, firstchurchnk.org, or there are paper registration forms back in the info center. Maria is starting a new Bible study this fall and has some more information on it to share with us. So I would like to invite the women to embark on a six-week journey of letting go of the things. I will be hosting this Bible study called It's All Under Control, starting on Tuesday, October 11th at 7 o'clock in the Ministry Center. Um, I'm going to order the books probably around October 1st. So if you're interested in a book, they'll be somewhere between $9 and $10, depending on shipping and all of that. Um, if you would like one, let me know. Call Connie at the office. I'm also going to put this on the church uh, Facebook page so you can communicate through Messenger there with me. And then looking forward, um, in January, I hope to lead a 10-week Bible study that right now media just put out on the Ten Commandments. Um, So that, of course, will be a 10-week commitment. Um, And like I said, they're both on Right Now Media. So if you aren't able to make one in person, the great thing is you can log on and watch it at home and still be current with everything that we are doing. So I invite the women, if you are interested, um, let me know. And I would love to see you there. Tuesday, October 11th. Thank you, Maria, for organizing and leading that uh, Bible study. Um, And at this time, we will have the call to worship. So if you would rise and join me in our call to worship, which is taken from Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. All the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. See among the nations the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the people with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound in all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord. For he comes, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. And now let us sing our opening hymn number 97. All hail the power of Jesus' name.
now we'll have children chat. And while the children come forward, please share a smile and extend a hand to those near you. you guys today? Ooh, I heard a tired in there. You know what? It's okay to be tired. Everybody gets tired sometimes. That means you're working hard. All right. So in our scripture reading today, we're talking about when Jesus ascended into heaven. What does it mean to ascend? Does anybody know? Like float, like go up. Yeah. All right. Kind of like my balloon. What makes my balloon ascend? Helium, right? The the balloon is ascended by helium. Okay? Now, Jesus did that. Jesus ascended into heaven. So you remember, Jesus died on the cross, and then he rose from the dead, and then he was here on earth for about a month or so, and then he met up with his disciples, and he would tell them that he was going to be going home to heaven soon, but and returning to the, his Father, and that the Holy Spirit would come to them. What is the Holy Spirit? Can we see it? No. Can we feel it? Not really. Hmm. It's a spirit, right? We know it's there, kind of like that helium in the balloon. That helium is in there. We can't see it, but we know that it makes the balloon go up. Okay? It is already going up. You're right. And the Bible tells us that Jesus told his disciples that he would come back again someday. Do we know when? No. He didn't tell him when, but he did promise us he was going to come back sometime. Now, how many of you have ever had a helium balloon? I got one yesterday. You got one yesterday? You did? Okay. So... What happens if you all of a sudden, what happens if you all of a sudden let go? It'll float away. And then what? It, what? Sometimes when little people lose their helium balloons, they start to cry, don't they? Yeah, because it's sad. Well, Jesus is, when Jesus went up to, his, up to heaven, his disciples were watching. And they watched him disappear into a cloud. And then they all just stood there looking and looking as they watched him go up, up, up. How are you going to do it? (laughs) That's a good question. A ladder? Not a ladder. I'm going to let the helium seep out of the balloon and eventually it will fall back down. Yeah. So, the, see how it went up, up, up? And see how you're all looking, going like this? That's what the disciples did. The disciples did that when Jesus went up 
up, up into heaven. And they just stood there looking at it for a while, just like we did. Do you think they should just keep standing there looking at that cloud that Jesus went up to heaven on? No, because there's a lot of things that we can do while we're waiting on Jesus to come back. We can tell other people about Jesus through the things that we do and how we act and how we, be, and how we do things. Okay, so we don't know when Jesus is going to come back. But we do know that while we're waiting for him to come back, we have a lot that we can do. We can show other people Jesus by the things that we do and the things that we say. All right, can we fold our hands? And we're going to say a prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for your promise that one day you too will return. We, we wait and we wait. Help us to spread the good news of your love. Help us to be your hands and feet and to show other people your love through the things that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, have a great day, guys. Thanks, Maria. Thanks, kids. You guys can head back to your seats. Uh, before we collect the offering this morning, I want to take a couple, uh, moment and just uh, let you guys know about our new reading plan. Um, looks very similar to the one we had printed out for the summer, but there are new copies of this available. Um, I believe they are in printed in your bulletin. There's also sheets like this that you can pick up at the info center if you want to tuck it away in your Bible or set it by your nightstand or something like that to remind you of, of the reading plan. But starting today, we are going to be uh, studying the book of Acts. A uh, great follow-up to our summer of reading through the Gospels and, and studying about the work, person and work of Jesus. Uh, we're going to be reading the book of Acts. And so this reading plan begins tomorrow. There's uh, for five days of the week throughout, um, throughout this fall. And every Sunday we're going to preach we're going to hear a sermon from the book of Acts um, and looking at what it means to be an active church um, starting today. So I want to encourage you to read along with us. Every week we're going to be drawing something from the reading plan and studying it together on Sunday mornings. And again, the idea here that we are focusing on is what it means to be an active church, a church that God calls us to be and, being, and doing the things that God calls us to do. And we're going to be drawing on lessons from the book of Acts for us to study that. Also, in a couple moments after offering another song, we're going to hear from uh, Wayne and Valerie Lunsford. Very excited for their ministry and being able to hear from them. And I just want to reiterate what Brian said in the announcements. If there is anybody that would like to touch base with them, they're going to be sticking around after the service. They're going to be right over here in the Heritage Room. If you want to hear about their ministry a little bit more, if you have questions for them or just want to touch base and say hi, they're going to be uh, in the Heritage Room after the service and, uh, and are willing to stick around and have conversations and, and talk with anybody that's interested in learning more about their ministry. So I want to encourage you to do that. Our offering this morning uh, does go to support Jim and Carol Sheffield uh, with Ethnos 360. Um, and Wayne and, and Valerie are also one of our designated offerings as well, just on a different Sunday throughout the year. So any gifts given this morning uh, will go to support Jim and Carol. But if you have a desire to support Wayne and Valerie, you can certainly do that as well. Um, just mark that gift appropriately on your offering this morning. With that being said, I do want to invite the deacons to come forward for our offering this morning as we hear another song played by Connie on the organ.
Amen. I invite you to remain standing as we continue to worship the Lord together. Our next hymn is number 466, Jesus, Lover of My Soul. seated. This, for, this time I'd like to invite forward Wayne and Valerie Lunsford uh, to share about their ministry. We're very excited to have you both here and hear about what God has been doing through you and through Wycliffe. So thank you for being here this morning. Well, good morning. 
good to be here with you this morning. Uh, I grew up in St. Mary's, and my parents went to this church a number of years before moving to Minnesota. We were actually both here a few months ago um, in uh, the memorial service. My dad always celebrated his life. Uh, those of you who've been following our ministry for many years know that we left for West Asia in 1997 as a family of four with two little boys. Um, our family has grown a bit since then. Uh, Sean has been working for a company in Maryland for many years now. Uh, four years ago, he moved to the city in West Asia that we call home, uh, bringing his remote job with him. He's also been helping with many uh, tech, uh, sound system, and video production needs in our church there, and also uh, with other kingdom workers around the city that live there. Uh, the same summer that Sean moved there, a young woman named Megan uh, also moved to our town to teach in an MK school that meets on our church campus. Uh, Megan spent a few years as an overseas kid in Japan and later taught in other countries in Asia and Africa before she moved to our home city there. And she and Sean shared a lot in common, uh, especially over their love for East, West, West, and South Asian food and culture. They were married in a lockdown Zoom wedding in 2020, and 14 months later, they welcomed our first grandchild. And it's a real joy for us to have them living just three miles from us uh, in, in West Asia, where we live. <laughs> so Jordan and his wife, uh, Jaina, they've now been married <laughs> six years. Uh, they're well-established in their jobs, and they're very involved in ministry through a recent church plants up in, up in Lima. Uh, Jordan works uh, as a web developer for U.S. Plastic. Um, it's a company, if you don't know, it gives like all of its profits to, to missions. Um, Valerie, not Valerie, <laughs> this is Valerie. <laughs> Jaina. Jaina, our daughter-in-law, she, she's a production manager uh, for Video Branch. It's a very small but very busy uh, production company that produces um, uh, videos for, for PR and other things for various companies around the world. They just recently bought a house uh, outside of town, a very quiet neighborhood, um, and it was really glad. It, it was really good to have them visit us in our hometown uh, last Christmas, and it was a joy to have our growing family all together in one place, and we were able to show them some of the ancient uh, biblical sites around the area. So this is uh, kind of a quick glimpse of our of our family. We launched a Bible translation effort about five years ago among the Lotardi people. Uh, to our knowledge at that time, uh, there were no believers in that community. Of the three men, is by far the most devout in, in his faith in the majority religion. Uh, as he translated various biblical texts, he began to wrestle with questions about the person of Jesus and biblical salvation. Because of the kinds of questions that he was asking, James, uh, Wayne felt that James would benefit greatly by meeting face-to-face -face with another man who, like James, was born into a family that followed the majority religion in the country where we work. <clears throat> we have shared about this other man, um, who we call Humble, in previous ministry updates. <clears throat> Brother Humble came to faith in Jesus many years ago, and he's now the leader of a a group of Jesus followers that um, are from another uh, language community. Um, he has experienced many hardships uh, for his faith in Christ. He was attacked, he was falsely accused, and he ended up in a court case that lasted for several years. Through his many appearances in court, he trusted the Lord. And um, once he told the judge that he um, forgave his accusers because he believed and trust, trusted in the living Lord Jesus. His faith and bold testimony uh, impacted many people, and that court case was eventually dropped. But because Humble comes from the same religious background as James, he is best suited to help the translator to find the answers he's looking for. So plans were made for Humble and James to meet in person this past January. So uh, Brother Humble, he began the first day in prayer, asking the Holy Spirit to lead their conversation and to give him the right words, words to say. Later that morning, Humble and James, they sat together for about three hours with other team members sitting nearby. 
And James admitted to him that his involvement in translating all these stories has raised many questions in his mind, and Humble did his best to respond to each of them. And he also took the opportunity to, to describe his own path to faith in Christ. As they came together on day two, James and Brother Humble, again with others sitting nearby, spent the next four hours talking and listening to each other. Reflecting back on that visit, Humble was encouraged um, by what he heard. He, he says, uh, James is truly sincere, hungry, and uh, hungry for truth and for answers. And it was really encouraged also to see others that were in the room nodding their heads in agreement to many of his answers. Finally, as their time together was coming to an end, James looked at Brother Humble, and he said to him that everything he's ascribed to him about Christ and biblical salvation, he now believes is true. And he admitted that his faith and Humble's are now the same. So that was an amazing declaration of faith. Um, and we praise God for what he's been doing in James's heart through this process and for the way that um, he's spoken to him, first through his word and then through his servant, Brother Humble. So we've been praying for decades that God would work through his living and active word to transform the lives of the Lotari people, starting with the translation team. Um, and this wouldn't have happened if we had not begun translating the lives of the prophets five years ago. So we praise the Lord for the way that he's blessed these efforts and, our, and he's honored our prayers. Um, please pray for James and Humble and their continued interaction, that James will grow in his faith and his understanding of biblical truth and that he'll express a desire to go deeper uh, through discipleship. And we're so grateful um, for your many prayers, uh, for your financial partnership through the years. Um, we just pray the Lord will bless you, your families, and your ministry in this community and beyond. And also before we walk away, I also wanted to express uh, our thanks to this church that did host my father's memorial service, those folks that provided a meal downstairs, and just the kindness there. I just want to express again the appreciation for that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I would love to pray for you guys before you walk off, if that's okay. Um, and I, I want to step in as well. I know um, you guys are, this is your first stop in about three month furlough, if I remember right. Um, so you guys are just getting back stateside and we'll be here for some time. And you're going to be making connections with other churches and traveling around and sharing your story and your testimony. And we're grateful that you guys were able to be here and share that with us here this morning. But with like many other missionaries, I know that there's two things that they would love to ask of us as a church family. And the first you already talked about is prayer, right? Prayer is such an important part of what you guys do and what we can do for you and partnering in, with you in your ministry. And so I want to encourage you all to be praying for Wayne and Valerie, for Wycliffe, and for all the work that they do. We heard a testimony about James and, and Brother Humble, and what a great example that is of the power of God's Word to make a difference in people's lives. And, and uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with Wycliffe, their, their goal and their ministry is to bring God's Word into native languages so people can read God's Word in a way that they understand and, and is real to them. And so what you guys do is a big part of, of, of spreading the gospel and seeing the Word proclaimed. So please be praying for them and for all of our missionaries that we support, because that is probably first and foremost, the thing that you guys crave the most is, is the Lord is praying to the Lord for him to work in and through you. Um, but also financial support is an important part of their ministry. They need to, their, they, uh, need to raise support in order to continue the work that they do. And we as a church do partner with them. If you're not aware of that, it doesn't happen to be this Sunday, as I mentioned earlier, but we do partner with them. But if you'd like to give, um, on, on a personal level as a family, um, you can certainly do that as well. As I mentioned earlier, if you would like to give a gift towards them and, and you can give that through the church because we do support them, you can earmark that or designate that to them and we can make sure that finds its appropriate place and appropriate home. Um, but if you'd like to give, connect with them personally and give to them on a personal level, I'm sure that they'd be happy to hear about it, to share information with you about that as well. And so um, first and foremost, prayer is the most important thing we can do, but we can also partner with them by, by supporting them financially. And so again, I just want to encourage you to, to connect with them after the service and be able to, they'd be able
able to connect with you and answer any questions you may have or just continue to share stories about what God has been doing in and through them. So thank you both for being here this morning, and I'd love to pray for you and your ministry as we lift up our pastoral prayer here this morning. So I encourage you all to pray with me. Father God, I thank you for uh, Wayne and Valerie, and I thank you for their commitment to serve you um, in this way and through this ministry. And we praise you, Father, for the ways that you have been working in and through them. Um, Lord, we thank you for Brother Humble and James in this, in this conversation that they were able to have. And, and I just pray that you continue to strengthen both of their faith, Lord. Um, thank you for the way you've worked in and through Wayne and Valerie and Brother Humble to, to make a difference in James' life. And I just pray you, that you would continue to draw him to yourself and strengthen his faith as well. We do pray for their work, Lord, that you would continue to work through them to spread the the gospel message to to many, Lord, who don't have it in their native language. And thank you for the work that they do and many others do around this world, Lord, to bring your gospel, your word to people who have not heard it yet. Um, So we pray, Lord, that as they work on this translation process, that you would continue to work through them by the power of your Holy Spirit to reach many people with the gospel. Um, Lord, we lift up other prayers and concerns as well. We know, Lord, that there are people who are in need of healing. Um, there are people that are in need of provision. And we ask that you would work uh, in their lives and, and according to your will to accomplish your purposes for them. Lord, we also praise you for the way that you have been working in our lives. All too often we come to you and ask and ask and ask. But we also need to take a moment and praise you, Lord, and thank you for the ways that you have answered prayers in our lives. And so we thank you for good test results that, uh, that some have experienced. And we thank you and praise you for your presence, Lord, in and through every circumstance. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thanks again for being here this morning. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set his his." The Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand there looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has, given, who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Thank you, Maria. Let's pray together again and ask for God's blessing on this time. Father God, we are grateful that we are able to gather here this morning around your word. As we were reminded this morning, Lord, let us not take that for granted, that we have access, free access to your word. And and in so many ways, uh, whether in our physical Bibles, in our bulletins, or on our tablets or phones, Lord, um, we have have such access to your word. Help us to not um, take that for granted anymore, Lord. 
Um, as we read it and study it now, and we and I proclaim it, Lord, may you give me words to speak, and may your may you open up your our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to what you have to say to us today. We pray these things in Christ's name, Amen. So I love this time of year. Fall is is great. The weather starts to cool down a bit. The the leaves begin to change colors, and it's just beautiful outside. But if I'm honest with you, the reason I love this season so much is because I'm a big sports fan, and there's a lot to enjoy this time of year. Uh, there's meaningful baseball being played. I'm sorry, Reds fans, but the games do still count. Um, I am a Cardinals fan, so I get to enjoy this late season baseball and got to see one of my favorite players growing up all time, Albert Pujols, hit a 700th home run Friday night. And by, by see it, I mean I fell asleep in the first inning because they're playing in Los Angeles and I had to watch it the next day. Um, but you know, between baseball and football, um, Buckeyes were on last night and played Wisconsin, uh, get to watch the Buffalo Bills. It's just a great time of year. Now, sports paint an interesting picture for us here this morning, because whether it's a college football game in Columbus or a professional football or baseball game, most of these games are played in front of full stadiums, Right got thousands of people there to watch the game and many thousands more watching on their TV at home. Now, most football games are 22 people desperately in need of exercise, desperately in need of rest, being watched by thousands of people desperately in need of some exercise, right? There, there's, there's a few active participants in many, many, many passive spectators, now, that's a, that same problem tends to exist in our churches. The church in America is plagued with passive spectators, people who just show up but do not participate actively in the church. And that's not God's will for us. Right? The book of Acts paints a picture of an active church, not a passive one. And the title of the book implies as much. Right? The traditional title of the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles although it could probably more accurately be described as the acts of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? It's God that is working in and through his people to accomplish these things. But throughout the book of Acts, we see God working in and through his people to advance his kingdom. Now, Acts is actually the second part of uh, the Gospel of Luke. It's, they're both written by Luke. And if you look at the introductions of both the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Acts, you see this brief little intro and address to the same person, Theophilus. And so in the book of Acts, we see that um, the intro here says that it's taking place after the resurrection, that Jesus had spent about 40 days offering many convincing proofs that he was alive. He continued to, he continued to teach his followers And here in in Acts chapter 1, he gives final instructions before ascending into heaven. The disciples take this opportunity to ask him, is now the time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? That's what they've been waiting for, right? They expected Jesus to take his rightful place as king of Israel and to reign, rule and reign from Jerusalem. But once again, Jesus says, not yet. Now is not the right time. There's still work to be done. And then he invites them. He invites the disciples. He invites all of us by extension to continue the work that he began. And he empowers them to carry on his mission. And that's what we're going to talk about today as we begin to study this idea of being an active church and what we can learn from the book of Acts. The first thing we need to recognize is that the church of Jesus Christ is an outward focused church. That Jesus gives his disciples a mission, that he gives them, he provides the means to accomplish that mission, and he also gives them motivation to keep pressing on to achieve that mission. And so first he gives his disciples a mission. He says that they are going to be witnesses for him throughout the world. The word he uses there for witnesses is the word that we get, our English word martyr, right? We we often take that word martyr to associate with someone who suffers or even who dies as a result of their faith. But the word martyr simply means witness, someone who testifies in court. We see a great example of this in John chapter 9. After Jesus heals a man who is born blind, he's dragged in before the religious leaders and, and asked question after question about what happened. And eventually the, the, the man who was born blind gets to a point. He says, listen, 
I don't know what this is all about. I don't know this man very well, but here's what I do know. I was blind, but now I see, right? His testimony, his witness was simply the, what Jesus had done and what Jesus had accomplished in his life and the difference that Jesus has made. That's what it means to be a witness. That's what it means to be a martyr in that sense of the word is to simply declare and testify to what Jesus has done in your life. And that's what Jesus is calling his disciples to do. And that's what he's calling us to do. And he says that we are to be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now think of these as like concentric circles, right? We got the smallest one in the center is Jerusalem. And that is our current situation. That would be our immediate context. It's a reminder that we don't need to travel halfway around the world to find people who need to hear the gospel. There's people who need Jesus Christ in our own backyard, in New Knoxville, in New Bremen, in St. Mary's, and in the surrounding areas. There's people right here that we interact with every day that need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And so that first concentric circle is our immediate context. We don't need to go very far to find people who need to hear about Jesus. That second concentric circle is Judea and Samaria. That's a, a little bit of a wider context than people who are both similar and dissimilar to us. Judea was, and Samaria were names of the, the, what were the northern and southern kingdoms of Israel. Judea, where Jerusalem was located, and then Samaria was the northern kingdom. Now, Samaria, in the time of Jesus, had become racially, socially, and religiously diverse over the previous centuries. And there's a lot of reasons for that that we won't get into today. But by the time of Jesus, Jews and Samaritans did not associate with one another. In fact, Jews would go the long way around Samaria in order to travel north to the region like Galilee and Nazareth instead of going straight through. It would be like if I needed to go over to the info center over there on this side of the sanctuary. But instead of walking straight down the side aisle because I don't want to talk to the people over there, I'd walk all the way through here, out that door, down in the basement, up by the elevator, and through that back door just to avoid walking by those people. Now, I picked that side because my wife's sitting over there, and I hope she doesn't take that for (laughs) isn't offended by that. But that's what they would do. They would go the long way around just to avoid interacting with those people. You see, the story of the Good Samaritan is so shocking because the Samaritan's supposed to be the bad guy. The Samaritan's supposed to be the bad guy in the story, yet he ends up being the hero. So God is calling us not just the people that we are similar to, but also to people that we are dissimilar to, the people we don't necessarily get along with, the people that we don't see eye to eye with. God is calling us to share the gospel with them as well. And then he also says that last concentric circle is to the ends of the earth, right? This is often what we think about when we think of missions, when we think of evangelism, to go to far off places where people have not heard the gospel. And that is certainly a part of what God is calling us to do. But some of us are never going to find ourselves in those situations personally. But what we can do is, is support the work of organizations like Wycliffe or other organizations that serve in far off places. We can, we can certainly support them through finances and through prayer. Now, the whole book of Acts is actually structured around these concentric circles. The, the gospel begins in Jerusalem and spreads out from there to the point where the book of Acts ends with the Apostle Paul in house arrest in Rome, right? Which was at that point considered the center of the known world. So Jesus has given us a mission but he also has provided the means for us to accomplish that mission. He, he's tasking his disciples and us by extension with, with spreading the good news of the gospel to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. But he doesn't leave us to our own devices to accomplish that. He says we must wait on the promised Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit was promised both in the Old and the New Testaments in passages like Joel chapter 2 and Jeremiah chapter 31. And Jesus in the Gospel of John even promises that one day when he departs, he will send the helper, the advocate, to be with the disciples. And once again here in Acts chapter 1, he promises that God will send his Holy Spirit to be with them. But he tells them that they got to wait just a few more days. 
we got to wait on him. Our family likes to watch America's Funniest Videos on Sunday night. It's a little bit of a family tradition for us. And in an episode we watched recently, there was this challenge that, that many families had done. And, and what it is is the parents of young children sat their kids at the table and put candy on the table in front of them. And they were told to wait. Don't eat any of the candy. The mom or the dad would be right back. And they would leave the room, but they'd have the camera filming them the whole time. And sure enough, almost every single one of those kids broke down and ate the piece of candy before their mom or dad got back. Some of them struggled a bit more than others. Some of them grabbed it as soon as their parents left. But almost every one of them eventually gave in and ate the candy. They were unable to wait. And now Jesus is telling his disciples that they must wait on the Lord to send his Holy Spirit. Because we need his power, his presence to accomplish his mission. But if you read the second half of chapter one, you realize that the disciples don't wait very long. In fact, they go ahead and and after a little bit, they cast lots to try to replace Judas as one of the 12 disciples. And, uh, and, And I think the reason this part of the story is included is because it goes to show that when we try to do things in our own way, in our own timing, they're not gonna succeed. When the lots are cast, they fall on a man named Matthias, who was described as someone who'd been with them throughout Christ's earthly ministry. But interestingly enough, Matthias is never mentioned again throughout the rest of the book of Acts. He's mentioned here as one of the 12 disciples. You'd think that would mean he's going to have a place of importance going forward, yet he's never mentioned again. We must learn to wait on the Lord and in his timing and according to his power See, church growth and ministry without the power of the Holy Spirit is ineffective and unfruitful. Yes, we can follow certain man-made models and strategies, and they may provide some results, but all the right programs and people can't replace the power of the Holy Spirit. What happens when you replace the power of the Holy Spirit with man-made strategies? You end up with churches that look more like businesses than the body of Christ. You have churches that are more focused on partisan politics than the gospel. You have churches that keep everyone so busy that they never realize their spiritual lives are stagnant. Ministry cannot accomplish God's mission in the world apart from the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says that his power, power will come upon them when the Holy Spirit comes. That word power is the word dunamis. It's, the word, it's where we get the word dynamite from. It's the ability to do or accomplish something. You see, it's the Holy Spirit, the presence and power of the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to accomplish the mission that God sends us on. He works in and through us. And that's exactly what happened in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit does arrive... Peter preaches a message. The people are speaking in tongues and everyone who listens can understand them. And it says that thousands of people are saved in that one day. That's what happens when people wait on the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that equips us for ministry. He provides spiritual gifts and produces spiritual fruit in the lives of his people. And the Holy Spirit also enables people to receive the gospel. He softens their hearts. So in other words, it's the Holy Spirit that is active both in the, the ministering of the, of the gospel and in the ones who are being ministered to. He's the beginning and the end of ministry. He is the means through which we're able to accomplish the mission that Jesus sends us on. And finally, the third thing is that Jesus' return motivates us to keep on mission. So he's given us a mission He's provided the means through which we accomplish that mission, but he also gives us motivation to keep on that task. After Jesus ascends into heaven and the disciples are just staring up there, angel appears, right? and says, what are you doing? Why are you staring up at the sky? He's, in other words, he's at the sky, get to work. The disciples wanted Jesus to restore the kingdom, and he will when he returns. The kingdom of God will last forever, and he will reign forever. And in the meantime, he has given us that mission to accomplish. And sometimes it feels like we're working and nothing is being accomplished. Sometimes it feels like we're, we're waiting forever. It's been 2,000 years, Lord. Where are you? 
but he promises that he will return and that we want to be faithful, alert servants when he does return. Luke chapter 12 describes, a, Jesus tells a parable of a, a man who puts servants in charge of his estate and then goes off on business. And he says the faithful servant is the one who continues to be alert, who continues to do the work of his master, even while the master is gone. So that when the master returns, they will be found alert and they will be found faithful. That is what we want to be, church. That is who we want to be, is we want to be those servants who are found faithful when the Lord returns. We want to keep on mission. We want to keep working in and through the power of the Holy Spirit to do what God is calling us to do so that when Jesus comes back, he'll find us faithful. And so I want to close by just sharing three thoughts that I have of how we can stay motivated for the long haul. The first is that we need to keep our eyes on the prize. Several passages in the New Testament remind us that we need to keep our focus on Jesus, not be distracted by what's going on in the world. Colossians 3 says that we are to set our heart and our mind on Christ. Hebrews 12 says to fix your eyes on Jesus. In Philippians 3, Paul talks about pressing on towards that goal, not focusing on what's behind, but looking to what is ahead. The world is full of distractions and darkness. There's so much that's competing for our attention. We need to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. The second thing we can do is we need to make sure that we're keeping our own walk with the Lord a top priority. God has given us a mission to accomplish, but we can't accomplish that mission if our well is running dry, if we're not focusing on Christ ourselves. Ministry happens in the overflow, right, of our lives. When the Holy Spirit is is working in us and through us, then he's able to then, excuse me, when the Holy Spirit is working in us, he's then able to work through us to accomplish his mission. And so we need to make sure that we're making our own walk with Christ a priority and keeping our focus on him so that he can then use us to minister to others. And finally, we need to see people and opportunities the way that Jesus sees them. Not as inconveniences or interruptions, but as God-given opportunities to share the love of Christ. There's a song I remember listening to several years ago uh, by Brandon Heath called Give Me Your Eyes. And I just want to read the chorus of that song as we close our time together. This is his, in a sense, a prayer to the Lord. He says, give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see Everything that I keep on missing, give your love for humanity. Give me your arms for the brokenhearted, the ones that are far beyond my reach. Give me your heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you have given us a mission to accomplish in this world. Thank you that you've given us the means to accomplish that mission through your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we ask that you keep us motivated. Help us to keep our eyes focused on you and and knowing that you will return one day, Lord. Help us to be found faithful when when that day comes. And Lord, help us to be be sold out completely on being a church that is focused on on accomplishing your mission in these concentric circles in our own immediate context and to the end of the earth. We thank you for these things, Lord Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. As we close our service of worship this morning, let's stand and let's sing about that mission that God has called us on. It's number 308. The hymn is Go.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. You may go in peace.